Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their customers. Exactly the right insurance. I don't know, it's auto, home, life, business, bundles. And they do everything they can to find you the right price. And if there's ever a claim, they go to work as if it happened to them. Great people, I mean, away from business, there's great people who are just great pros in the world of insurance. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You can go online to sunburymotors.com. Check out the great line of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. And you can get the process started, by the way. From the cover to your own living room, all at sunburymotors.com. All right, in a few moments, we're going to hear from Audrey Snyder, but first, our play-by-play call of the day. And stay a professional in pitches game. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting, the outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. The great Vince Scully calling the great Hank Aaron's 715th home run. It was against the Dodgers off Al Downing in the fourth inning at what was then Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium. I want to say April 8th, 1974, I believe. Exactly right. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, Penn State football uh, saw two players over the weekend. They were thrilled to be back, anxious to be back. And today they begin workouts. With that, we bring in Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. Audrey, it is great to hear you once again. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm doing well, Steve. Good to hear your voice. Great to hear you. It's been a while. Yes, it has been too long. there's been a lot of access to Penn State players, coaches, and so forth, which is, I think, for the media, has, has been great. Have you been able to glean any constant themes out of this as they head back to training and working today? 
Yeah, Steve, you know, I think every decision is, like, no one really knows what's going to happen next. And yeah. everyone's kind of prepared that at the drop of a hat, things can change again. And so whenever you roll out one plan, you're trying to do so with eight other contingency plans in case that doesn't happen. I mean, I think that has really been the theme of this offseason for Penn State and for everybody. Um, you know, Penn State, they can begin voluntary workouts today. Players, of course, 75 came back last week. They were quarantined, and now, you know, we'll see what these workouts look like in groups of up to 20 people, and they're all spaced out, and they're working in Haluba Hall. And it's just such a bizarre offseason, Steve. But, you know, they're trying to work through it, and I think that's probably about as close to a theme as we can get right now. Uh, everybody's trying. But if, they, mm-hmm. if if college football, and the NFL is also part of this, but if college football can, quote, get through this and, quote, pull this off, what yeah. do you think it would mean for just not just fans, but even the most casual of fans to see something normal? Oh, it would be huge. I mean, we've seen it time and time again uh, throughout this country, what sport can do, right? The unifying power of it. I mean, you think back to after 9-11 everything then and there and you know we don't know what beaver stadium is going to look like this fall we don't know if it's going to be fans no fans some fans students some students we do know now that the students are coming back to campus in the fall um i don't know how you socially distance a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds that's going to be um a challenge to say the least but uh yeah i mean it would mean so much though just to have football back and i'll give you a bit of a funny story i was a couple, two or three weekends ago, I was uh, over at Beaver Stadium. I had to get some photos taken for a work thing, and I was doing a little photo shoot. And there were fans on a Saturday, beautiful, sunny Saturday in Happy Valley, tailgating in an empty Beaver Stadium parking lot. <laughs> and I was what are you guys doing? You know, like, what do you, I mean, they had corners there, beverages, cornhole, and they were having a good time. Um And I said, well, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to do this in the fall, so we figured we'd drive up here. Uh, They're from York, Pennsylvania, so they drove up here like two hours, got some some teas from Cafe, got some margaritas from Mad Max, (laughs) and set up in the parking lot. And that's that's where we're at, Steve. We're searching for any kind of normalcy at this point. Well, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I feel like so many people have my number these days. I'm surprised I didn't get called. <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on by. We'll have a great time. Uh, Michael Parsons will be the, the, the one that people will be talking to a little bit later. When you look at his development, Audrey, from the point of view that usually most people, when they move, they move closer to the line of scrimmage. He's one of the few guys I've seen that's moved further from the line of scrimmage. What have we seen in terms of transformation and his ability to excel in that transformation? Because it's not easy what he's done. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I will. I had a conversation with Brent Try last month. Um, our big state of the program piece for the athletic will be coming out in a couple of weeks. And, you know, that's one of the things I asked him. Is it right? You know, you always look at Micah Parsons and we always are asking you, what does the next level look like for him? And what are the steps for him to get there? And, you know, they're still very much convinced that there's way more for them to tap into with him. And I do think it is kind of funny that sometimes, you know, we do forget this was a high school defensive end. Um, this is also a kid who punted in high school, which I think is just still kind of hilarious. But, 
you know, there's more for them to work with. And for Micah, it's also about being a leader. And that's, I think, what this team needs right now, too, as it comes back to campus and tries to figure everything out. Your leaders have to step up. I mean, these are voluntary workouts, of course, but... I mean, the players are the ones who drive everything behind closed doors in the summer. So even though, you know, they're going to be in different groups and some guys are living in hotels because of the quarantine and all these kinds of things, um, they still need Micah to be one of these leaders. Because on the field, we've seen it time and time again, Steve, and you think back to the Cotton Bowl, which feels like it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it was that was a game where he could seemingly do anything and everything. And... I did say to Brent Price, I said, you know, after a game like that, you kind of have to find ways to maybe humble Micah a little bit. And he said, oh, no, we have plenty of things for him to work on and <laughs> trying to reel him back in. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what Penn State fans are absolutely excited to see is what does that junior season look like for Micah Parsons? Um, because you got to figure, Steve, he should be one of the top players in college football this year. Right. I agree with that. Uh, it's when people look at where they're going to rank somebody preseason. Usually, one of the starting points—not always, but one of the starting mm-hmm. points—is hey, do they have their quarterback back? That's probably not going to go in Oregon's favor this year. But it looks like Oregon might get highly ranked with a new quarterback. Uh, but usually, that's something that that people look at. But what do you think about the fact that that quarterback's coming back with with almost everybody in that offensive line being back? Mm-hmm. It's huge. I mean, I think that's where Penn State has the biggest potential for growth. I mean, you look at last year, this offense, there's certainly another level it can elevate to. And, you know, you get Journey Brown back, you get Noah Cade back, you get Michael Mennett back, you get Will Fries back. I mean, this whole offensive line, Steve, to me, the hiring of Phil Troutwan was one of the most fascinating parts of this offseason because what he wants to do and the mechanics with which he wants to do it Changing the guy's fundamentals, um, it, it's going to be interesting. And talking to some of the players throughout this whole process when they've been away from campus, you know, they've been on Zoom with Phil and they've been trying to, to figure everything out. But you're trying to revamp techniques and you're trying to do it from afar. You know, like that cannot be easy. But I do think, I mean, that really lends itself to so much room for this offense to grow. And obviously, Pat Fryer being a huge part of that. But. Right. You still go back to, you know, the receiving core and without, you know, behind Jahan Dotson, mm-hmm. what does the rest of that look like? And that's the big question. But absolutely, I mean, Sean Clifford knows there's plenty of room for him to improve. His deep ball has to improve. Um, so, too, does the terminology of this offense and him getting familiar with Kirk Sharaka. And, you know, that's to me, Steve, where this whole shutdown has had such an impact on the offense is, you're trying to figure out how well have guys retained information, and the best way Penn State could do that was through weekly position group quizzes. And that's you know that's kind of right. an interesting way to gauge things because so much you want to go out, you want to see it, um, but you have to revamp. I think the expectations a little bit just in terms of how quickly could this team come out of the gate. But that's going to be true for everybody else in college football, given all of the changes. Which then brings me to July 24, because I think that's about the date that Penn State could get into the two weeks mm-hmm. before the preseason. And by and by the way, the major concession about allowing them to have a ball. Uh, <laughs> I shake my head like, okay, really? Uh, but they're allowed to have a ball. 
what can that two weeks mean? Is it possible to make up for a lack of a spring practice in those two weeks then leading so that you have a jump start in the preseason? You know, so much of the spring is always an evaluation period for a lot of these younger guys on the roster, and that's where I think these two periods are a little bit different, just in that in the spring, you know, some of these guys coming off of surgeries, you know, at the end of the season, they were going to be slow, they were going to get the veteran treatment, all those kinds of things in spring ball, but now that's going to be a little bit different, and what I'm curious to see is how do you kind of monitor and assess their fitness level at this point. That's so much of what, you know, coming back this week is going to be about. What in the world were these guys doing for three months? And it's going to vary by person. I mean, James Franklin mentioned it several times. There were limitations for some guys based on equipment, right? And so you can only do so much with book bags full of fans. So, you know, how do you kind of try to safely get these guys to a starting point, um, for these ramp-up sessions in the summer, and that's where the strength staff is really going to be tested uh, to try and figure all of that out. But, you know, you, you certainly lost a lot by not having 15 spring practices. But through Zoom, I think these guys are learning different ways, and the coaching staff learning different ways to embrace technology and figure out how to motivate guys and what they can do. But it comes down to Steve. What have these guys been doing on their own? And that's where we're going to start to see the next couple of weeks, you know. Are they in great shape? Some of the guys say they think they're, they're great. They feel better than maybe they ever have before. Uh, so I'm just very curious because there's no blueprint for any of this. Um, I mean, no. so much of this is almost trial and error in a sense. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what these ramp-up periods look like. Yeah, over the years, I've, I've said to James, I feel like you've, you've you've thought of almost everything when it comes to certain situations. And he goes, no, nah, not really. Well, this is one I can guarantee you nobody thought of. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this but, one with the uh, okay. East Lansing lightning yeah. delay debacle. Yeah. I, I, mean, he, I mean, even James didn't think of this one. <laughs> so you can't go back into, into the history books and look at the 1918 Penn State football season and ask how they handled the Spanish flu. <laughs> Audrey, it's an absolute pleasure. It's great to hear you back. I know you've got an opportunity here to get some questions in from Micah Parsons, and I appreciate your time and you very much. You got it. Take care, guys. Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. Dave Shine in Washington Post, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. Show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Right. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. There are two different phases with which uh, players are returning to campus. Uh, phase two, I think, starts this weekend. Micah Parsons is actually a part of phase two. Sean Clifford, for example, part of phase one. You know, he's part of it. CJ Thorpe, part of phase one, whatever. Mike is in the phase two group, which will be this weekend. We're going to hear from him tomorrow. Michael Johnson will be in neither phase. He has opted to enter the transfer portal. I never really had a chance to talk with Michael. I watched him obviously practice he is a really good athlete who makes 
very good judgments, I think, for the most part when he runs. Although I think he has the tendency sometimes to say, hey, I'm running now instead of like maybe hanging with a pass play long enough. Michael is, you can see the talents there, but there's three levels, you know, uh, being talented, but somebody who's an aimer, and then somebody who's a thrower, and then somebody who's a quarterback. A quarterback's that last part where the vision and the mental part of it all comes together. I think Taquan Roberson, for example, is a good thrower. Now, he's got some work to do to become a better college quarterback. But Michael Johnson, uh, different kind of motion, uh, not classic. And I thought he had a tendency to, at times, aim the ball. Uh, at times, aim it. So it never really... But, you know, he had a long way to go. You knew he wasn't going to play last season. I mean, you, But you also knew that Roberson was there. Now, did I feel Taquan was ahead of him? Yeah, of course I did. It didn't take much, really, to think that. As much as they were trying to split those third reps between the two guys because you don't want people getting discouraged. You want them to learn as much as possible. You just felt, at least at this moment, that Taquan Roberson was the better of the two. But it doesn't mean that Michael doesn't have uh, really good skills. He has some really good skills, but he really needs work, especially when it comes to the 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 passing part of the offense. Again, he's right in the eyes. He got to the point, and that's sometimes a confidence thing. He gets to the point where you feel like you're aiming it. But whoever gets him is going to get a, get a good athlete that's going to work hard. Michael worked hard when he was there. So that's one. And then I passed on about the Parsons thing being in in phase two, which is this weekend. And we'll hear from him tomorrow. And Chris Doyle, strength and conditioning coach at Iowa, has now left. He's been let go by Iowa after the recent allegations by former players. He was making $800,000 a year. He was the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the country. He had been with Kirk Ferentz since day one when Ferentz took the job at Iowa in 1999. They had that bad incident. Mm, I want to say 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Where 13 of their players got very sick after workouts. Uh, and he, he somehow survived that. I mean, a lot of people thought he was in deep trouble when that happened. But he was let go. And, you know, obviously, his son Dylan, who was a linebacker, and Dylan Doyle was going to play. He played against Penn State last year. He put his name into the transfer portal, and you knew that that was was a harbinger of things to come. But he uh, he is now out as the strength and conditioning coach at Iowa. Right about the time, of course, they're 
getting into their workouts. They they started their workouts already at Iowa. As you know, Penn State's going back uh, with in-person fall classes beginning August 24th. Uh, they'll have to... Turns out I have a Monday class. So since I have a Monday class, it means I will have to teach on Labor Day. Labor Day to me is Monday anyway. (laughs) It's a difference. Doesn't matter to me. And then uh, you're going to take a right up to fall break, which is Thanksgiving week, and then the students are not uh, will not be back the next. Two weeks of classes will be on Zoom and finals are on Zoom. And it has not been announced about if they're going to do games in person, correct? Not yet. Not yet. Everything's done a step at a time. The most important step was announcing that they would do in-person classes on campus. Now other decisions can be announced as time goes as to how they want to handle things. And plus, you don't have to make that decision just yet. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. We continue to listen to the recommendations from federal, state, and local experts, including the Center for Disease Control, concerning efforts to limit the spread of coronavirus. During this time, our office remains operational and available to service our current and new clients. Our employees will be available by phone at 570-286-5855, as well as email, and have access to our systems to continue to conduct business. Please know that our after-hours emergency service will continue to be available. Based on the recommendations from federal, state, and local experts, our building will be closed to the public during these extraordinary times. Our employees will be working from home to practice social distancing so we can do our part to keep our staff and community as safe and healthy as possible. Please be advised that all face-to-face meetings will be discontinued in favor of conducting business via phone or email. At this time, we ask that you be safe, be well, and be kind, and know that your Purdy Insurance team is committed to the highest levels of service and is only a phone call away. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Check out the great line of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Pre-owned inventory? You can get the process started from the comfort of your own living room. All at sunburymotors.com. And today's show brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, bundles, Whatever it may be, they'll do everything they can to save you money, and they'll make sure you're insured, and if they ever claim to go to work as if it happened to them. They are the pros, pros in insurance, and away from the business, they're even better people. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and somewhere, go to purdyinsurance.com. On cbssports.com, Mike Axis wrote today that 
it's hard to be a baseball fan right now. The 2017 World Series champions are confirmed cheaters. We have no idea how the ball, literally the single most important piece of equipment in the sport, will play this year. And all that is happening while MLB gets into bed with casinos and legalized gambling. The league's credibility is shot. Distrust is as high as it's ever been. Manfred and the owners are supposed to be stewards of the sport. They are businessmen and behave as such, no doubt. But they also have an obligation to do what's in the game's best interest. We haven't seen that. Any chance to build goodwill with fans and come out of the pandemic with a feel-good moment is pretty much gone. And it was all totally unnecessary. There are times baseball doesn't seem to care about baseball very much. And the fans, the paying customers, pay the highest price. Eventually, that will come back to haunt MLB. Maybe the league won't lose fans during the pandemic, but it's hard to see them gaining any new fans after all of this. Yep. With that, we bring in Dave Shining from the Washington Post. Dave, always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for your time. I hope everybody's doing well. Sure thing. Good to be here. Uh, let, let's. Why such acrimony between the two sides? Mm. Well, I mean, you, you know, baseball has a really long, uh, ugly history of labor relations. Um, yes, it does. We, we, we have been, though, in, in was, you know, an unprecedented period of labor peace, which is to say there hasn't been a work stoppage in, in 25 years since uh, the 94-95 strike. Um, so things, you know, things had been better um, in like the first part of the last decade. Um, but what happened with the latest deal in 2016, the latest labor deal, CBA, um, is that it worked out really, really poorly for the players. Um, there's various theories about why that is. Some say that, you know, the union negotiators kind of whiffed on that negotiation and got a bad deal for the players. Um, other people just said that the, the owners just acted out of bad faith. and But the result is that free agency has been harmed and players have been very um, angry uh, the last couple of off-seasons. So, so they came into this negotiation, the players did, uh, kind of with a chip on their shoulder about how the last labor deal has gone, the last couple of winners. Uh, and so that that's the starting point. And, and from there it just got progressively worse, you know. Um, this March agreement did very little, if anything, to settle the matter, and in fact, it just caused even a bigger rift over an interpretation of it. And, and every um, proposal going back and forth has just been far short uh, of of anything that the other side wanted to see. So, so that's kind of where that's a long way uh, of, of telling you where how we got to this point. Uh, in terms of optics. How did it look for the owner's side that the Turner Agreement came out and it showed they're going to get more money from TV down the road? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it couldn't have proved the union's point any better. You know, um, the union has claimed, look, you're, you're going to be raking it in. Uh, it's a long-term business uh, for, for these owners. They're in it for decades. Franchise values are going through the roof. There's been profits year after year. 
And, you know, 2020 is going to be a blip on the radar. It's going to be a, a, a one-year downturn, and, and the owners are built to withstand that because they're in it for the long haul. They've got these TV deals, and it's the players with a really small window for their careers, um, you know, who, who, are, who are bearing the brunt of it. So the Turner deal with MLB, another billion-dollar TV deal, came at, at this incredible point and and the union could not have drawn that up anymore to prove their point who's warning major league baseball that they make that announcement then yeah well they didn't make the announcement it, it leaked out uh i believe the new york post um scoop got the scoop on that so they certainly did not um announce it they, they were they were in no way going to announce that uh, at this point um but yeah good reporting by the new york post yeah good reporting by them indeed uh how does this set up in your opinion december 2nd 2021 <laughs> and mm, beyond yeah <laughs> well i mean i think that uh, by all measures, I mean, that's going to be an epic, ugly, uh, you know, w- w- war of, of, of a negotiation. That's when the, you know, the, the current labor agreement expires. I would say everybody in the game at this point, uh, it, it predicts a work stoppage to come, um, in, at the end of 2021. Uh, I just don't see any way these two sides with such fundamental differences with such acrimony between them um are gonna you know all of a sudden you know go into a room and hold hands and sing kumbaya and (laughs) and come up with a labor deal uh so yeah this is gonna be i mean we're we're right now uh in in about an 18 month period that's just gonna be uh, you know absolute warfare in in terms of, of labor negotiating is there any thought at all about the fans in this? <laughs> yeah, you would think there is, right? I mean, both sides will tell you that, you know, we're, we we care about what the fans think. We, we want to bring the game back for the fans. You know, they, they both put those in their statements all the time. But, you know, it, it, it does show kind of a short-sightedness. I mean, I think that everything baseball is doing right now this is I'm talking about the owners and management is you know designed for a short term relief you know yes um yeah cuz they're 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 taking it on the chin this year you know look there's no way around it revenues are going to be way down they're going to lose billions of dollars because of the coronavirus but everything they're doing is is a short term fix to to get relief from that and it's coming at the cost of of the long term and, and part of that is this myopic you know lack of vision for for the fans um and what the fans want and part of it is also you know the the way they're decimating the minor leagues with um you know with with reducing the draft from 40 rounds down to 5 and i mean they're they're just doing irreparable harm uh, at the grassroots level and all of these things are are just are just it's just short-sighted you know and just and just going for the quick fix over uh the long-term health you mentioned the minor league part. Minor league baseball in each of the last 15 years, as you know, Dave, has drawn 40 million fans or better. In fact, in 2019, minor league baseball drew 42 million fans. Now, that's over 160 markets, but 42 million fans. Mm-hmm. So in the math, and obviously, you know, this is simplified math because obviously some places draw better than others. 
Major League Baseball is basically telling 10 million fans out there to pound sand. I mean, is it is yeah. is, is this what I mean? This is this is leadership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that's it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's it's to give them a short term financial relief from you know we don't need this extra affiliate. You know, it's nothing but a, a line on a on an accounting ledger to us. But yeah, it's people's lives, it's people's jobs um, and livelihoods, and it's it's fans in these towns. Uh, it's their summer enjoyment. And it's uh, it's short sighted, and I mean, you know, at some point that will come back to bite Major League Baseball, and it may it may not be in our lifetimes. It may be, you know, maybe thirty, forty years from now. We we don't know, but at some point, and I think it's going to be much sooner than that. It's going to come back to bite them because you're going to lose a generation of of fans, you know, of of young people who who might have become baseball fans, but now are not because they don't have a minor league team anymore, they don't have the connection to the game or whatever. You're going to lose you're going to lose athletes too. I mean, what if you're a two-sport, three-sport athlete coming out of high school and you see baseball now reducing its draft to five rounds and anyone who's undrafted gets a $20,000 bonus where, you know, in other <laughs> sports, the NBA, the NFL, you know, you 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 could be looking at millions uh, and not have to go to the minor leagues. I mean, baseball is going to lose athletes too. So it's it's very very short. I mean, because I know a lot of this does stem back to the thought process of Jeff Lunau uh, with Houston because mm-hmm. he's the one that came up with the minor league idea. And the irony is he doesn't have Jose Altuve. He doesn't have mm-hmm. Jose Altuve unless mm-hmm. he has this system. Jose Altuve yeah. is not going to low A ball. Okay, I yeah. hey, look, Dave, I saw him. He was okay yeah. when he was in the New York Penn League. You know, he, <laughs> he was okay. I didn't sit there and go, wow, this is the next whatever. I saw yeah. I saw Mookie Betts as a second baseman. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> come on. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't going to be an Apadroya. <laughs> exactly. And, and, I mean, you know, the, the sport is full of those stories, too. I mean, and there's and, – and you have a connection to those players now forever because you saw them in, in A-ball sure. in, in short season. Hey, anybody, you know, I mean, that's part of what makes baseball special, right? And, and, they're, and you know, they're losing a, a, a big chunk of that uh, out of short-sighted, you know, leadership. Let me ask you about the Washington component for a moment. They're the defending champions. I, it sounds like that Rob Manfred, based on the March 26th agreement, can just come out today and say, hey, we're playing 48 games, and they're going to play 48 games. What does a 48-game season mean to you? <laughs> well, it's not a season, for one thing. I mean, I, I, I assume you brought up Washington because of the fact that after 50 games last year, they were 19 and 31. <laughs> and they were going to make it. <laughs> yeah, they were 19 and 31 uh, through 50 games. Fourth place, you know, just ab- about to fire the manager. They were maybe a few days away from mm-hmm. firing the manager if it didn't turn around. And and of course, they win the World Series. I mean, that that shows you that 50 games is not enough to determine mm-hmm. a, a division champion. Right. Um, and and whatever World Series, whatever playoffs you hold after a 50-game season, I don't know that you can produce um, a legitimate champion after a season like that. So... Uh, and there's going to be a lot of skepticism. I mean, that you know, that's that's not an uh, that's not a, an unusual perspective. Everybody in the game I talk to thinks the same way. Fifty games is not a baseball season, so you're going to have a credibility problem. And 
you know, I mean, you could say there's nothing that can be done about it, but, you know, at one point we could have been talking about an 80 to 90 game season yes. easily, and they could be on the field, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, but, but now we're not, and, and that's gone, and, um, you know, whatever we're going to get is going to be a sad, you know, uh, short, uh, you know, bastardized season. I realize this is also going to be another one of those short-sighted questions, but the opportunity was there, as you mentioned, to get the season going on the 4th of July. Uh, despite their, the rankling uh, in, the, in, in the NBA right now, LeBron James says we're playing, they're going to play. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so enough there. Kyrie can talk to the wall. LeBron, they're playing. Okay. Yeah. All right. But now... In starting this, they won't start until mid to late July. There were mm-hmm. weeks where they could have been the show and made people feel better and really helped the game because they came back. They've seeded that now, Dave. I mean, yeah. again, it goes back. I know it's a, it goes back to the same answer about short sighted leadership. I know that. Yeah, but it's all true. I mean, um, you know, at one point, that was the mission. That was the goal, and I think both sides kind of thought at one time they could get there. Um, and then it became abundantly clear over time that there was no chance at all, and and uh, neither side seemed to want to give an inch. Uh, you know, and, and, and so that's gone now. I mean, baseball, of course, needs uh, about a month you know, between yeah. a deal and a, and a and a and an opening day, because of you know the the the, the reality of pitchers' ligaments. You know, you get, <laughs> you have to give them three weeks to get ready in the spring training camp. You can't just like throw them out there right. a few days after a deal. So so that's gone, and um, the symbolism of that, the the opportunity of that, it, that's all gone. Um, the the chance of goodwill is all gone. I mean, any everybody who tunes into baseball this year. It's just gonna, it's just gonna be a joyless affair. I mean, you, cause you know the players are, are, are resistant to it. You know that they're, they're only out there because the owners imposed this, uh, season on them. There's just, there's just no joy in that. And so I don't know how, how to quantify what they're gonna lose in terms of fans and, 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 and long-term support, but it's, it's gotta be significant. Dave, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your insight. I really appreciate it a lot. All right. Good being here. Thanks for having me. Dave Shine in Washington Post. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. But that was dramatic. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> that happens. That happens. That's no big deal. But it did. Hey, it did make it more dramatic. A more dramatic entrance. No, I thought so. I thought so. Ah, let's see. Matt the Slacker will be back tomorrow. That's a lot of time lately, man. It's great spending time with you, though, Chad. Yes, it's been good to be here today. Yeah, Chad. Great job as always. Great job. Hey, no. uh, you know he has little Luke at home, so you know he's got to spend some time with him. No, Luke has Lisa. Okay, so <clears throat> yeah. so his opportunity to have a great life is in front of him. Uh, <laughs> Matt was telling me. So when Luke was born, um, I had my wife make for Luke um, five onesies that had uh, the names or the logos yes. of all the stations, right? 
and uh, yes. the four stations, and then Sunbury Broadcasting. And uh, Matt's been sending me pictures of Luke in all the different outfits. And I asked him the other day. I said, "So, um, how uh, does Luke like him?" And he said, "Well, he's only uh, messed through two of them." The Valley and Sunbury Broadcasting. The other ones are fine. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to hear from Micah Parsons tomorrow. Micah will be a part of the second wave coming in this weekend. Uh, he's not part of the first group here. Uh, Mike has a son. He wanted to spend uh, you know, as much up to Father's Day as he could. And then he'll be back next week. He's been doing a lot of working out. And he's done a lot of work with, by the way, Bo Nickel. Uh, and Bo is, uh, well, we know how much how much uh, Micah loves the wrestling part of it. He really does. He's already been named as a Walter Camp preseason All America, along with Pat Fryermuth. He's been uh, already named on the lot impact along the way. Look, he's going to get a lot of recognition. It's simple as that. He just is going to. Um, you know, and that's, you know, he's already been named the, the linebacker of the year in the Big Ten for sophomore in Big Ten history to win the award. First team All Big Ten, consensus All American, Penn State's 101st. I and what he what he did against Memphis. Three tackles for losses, two sacks, he forced two fumbles, one that led to a, a touchdown by Garrett Taylor. He is something else. Jack Ham is really, really high on this linebacking core. Every time we talk, I think the last time we talked was Thursday. When you look at Micah, Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lucetta, Charlie Catcher, Lance Dixon, you know, the Jacobs kid coming in. Wow. May have taken a while to rebuild the linebacking core, but now it's spectacular. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury.